There we go. All right. This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And I'm Lorenz Wonderbrand. With me today is Hans. We're going to be talking about the film from, I believe it's, what is it, 1993? Two. 92. Clive Barker, the master. Of, you ever think of Clive Barker's master of horror? No. I just think of him as a gay man who loves BDSM. He loves chains. He loves a good whip or two. I've never read any of his books because I don't read. Uh, so I'm not very familiar with... I know that a lot of his movies... I mean, his books have been turned into movies, but... What is it? Nightbreed might be the one that I like the most. I, Did I, he have I, anything seen the... to do with Nightbreed? Didn't he? Isn't that based on a book? Yes, yes, yes. Hold of on. course. I mean, but he, he wrote and directed Hellraiser, the, uh, the original film. So he, he had something to do with uh, quite a few of his adaptations. Oh. I feel like Nightbreed. He might wrote have and directed been. that too. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I knew it. Original James Franco here was Clive Barker. Yeah. Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Because what else is there? There's uh, Hellraiser. There's Midnight Meat Train. Rawhead Rex, which is a, a classic. Midnight Meat Train ain't that bad. For a direct to, I think it was direct to DVD, Vinnie Jones the starring Vinnie film. Jones. Bradley Cooper before he was famous. Also in that, not terrible, not that bad. Do you remember when they tried to do that eight films to die for thing in the in the early two thousands, where they would be like, "Well, these movies are too graphic and too horror-y to be regular horror movies," and then you watch them, you're kind of like, "Oh, this is not anything like that." The, the films never really uh, fit with the hype that those movies will come out with. Same with like ABCs of Death. Too, no, which of was course supposed not. to be like this shocking thing. The marketing was eight films to die for. Of course, they're not going to be very good. If they thought, fuck, what are we going to do with, with these movies? I guess we'll make it like an event and we'll just put them all together and they'll be part of a part of like a movie going experience. Eight okay. films to die well, for. There you go. It's like the Masters of Horror thing, right? It's like, oh, this is going to be great. All of this horror directors. And then you watch them and you're like oh this just feels like the movie i did, didn't really have money to make but it's kind of not good were any of those good i know that they got john landis they got john john carpenter was on like an anti-bush anti-conservative kick or whatever he's always been of course and he did like a pro-choice film called pro-life where i think the monster was a the, the baby was a monster or something i i don't know something along those lines well mick garrick uh mick Director of oh, many Garris, Stephen sorry. King properties. I, yeah. I, I believe he directed The Stand, 1994. They got uh, Stuart Gordon, Argento, Joe Dante, Toby Hooper, John Landis, uh, uh, Takashi Miike, and that's it. I don't recognize any of the other Overrated people. director, by the way, that Takashi Miike. But it's it's also difficult to even properly criticize him because he's directed what like a hundred films he's directed a, a ridiculous amount of movies so he probably doesn't even pay attention to it. he probably shows up for like eight days and then moves on to the next lets everybody else yeah. handle the work well that's the thing you you uh because i've seen a couple i've seen zebra man which was fun uh audition audition's the Each only the one killer. of his i like 13 assassins was all right but uh yeah he's got so many that you can't really say i'm a fan of his work because it's not like you're going to watch 111 movies. No, he he's so. not. He's Look, he's got a distinct style some of the time, but he's not really an auteur. 
he's very, I, I mean, I, I guess it's very in vain of like a John Ford type where you just show up, you do the work and then you're on to the next thing. And yeah, maybe yeah. if you're, maybe if you got the time, maybe if you care enough, your imprint will naturally start to arrive on whatever it is you're working on just because you do things in a certain way. I mean, I'm not that well-versed on Takashi Miike. I, I, I mean, I haven't even seen Itchy the Killer in about 25 years. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I've, I, I own Audition. I watched it recently. I've, I've watched it a few times recently. Very enjoyable film. That's the only one I like from him. Yeah. Anyway, Candyman. Who directed this <laughs> Candyman movie? This was not Clive. Clive Bernard, Parker had nothing to do with this. No, this is Bernard Rhodes. Who is direct? Is a British guy that also directed uh, a bunch of movies I don't recognize. Uh, Body Contact, Paper House, uh, the the a Frankenstein movie in 2015. That's not uh, good. Must... That that's a very <laughs> bad sign. <laughs> yeah, starring Carrie Ann Moss as the biggest name in 2015. I have oof. Yeah. So uh his career after Candyman probably didn't go the way that uh he was expecting. Because well Candyman was never like a huge hit anyway, right? No, it was he was kind of well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the box office, but Candyman's name was always in the mix with the go-to slasher villains of the day. Right. That you would talk about on the schoolyard or or whatever. You, you know, you'd had your your Freddy Krueger, your Jason. Eventually, Candyman's name was on like the list of maybe top eight. I want to, I want to say, uh, you know, you would have like the Leprechaun, and then you would get Candyman <laughs> after Leprechaun. <laughs> just, just about after Leprechaun, then you would get to after, Candyman. You get Puppet Eventually, Master, and then Candyman. Puppet, yeah. no, Puppet Master's <laughs> a little further down the list. Wishmaster. Wishmaster. Uh, the, uh, what's the what's the guy with the crystal ball? No, the crystal. It's like a metal ball. The Phantom, is it? No, Phantasm. Phantasm, I think, is lower on the list than Candyman. Because who do you point to? And I mean, the Tall Man is obviously the iconic character from those films. But who knows the name the Tall Man? Yeah, I guess Candyman is catchier. It's certainly catchier. He's got like a gimmick. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror. You say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman. They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Bring it up. It ain't safe around here. That don't scare too easy. Want no Balvusage? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. 
Do I know you? Now, she is about to discover. Helen? Get out! Get out! What's behind the mystery? You sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all... Come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. So this, this movie, you said... Because we, I, I finished watching the remake, and then I messaged you, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to watch the re, uh, the original. Let me see how I do. I watched it on Tubi, and mi- that might be one of the reasons why it felt slower. It's only about 10 minutes longer than the remake. It's, it comes in at about an hour and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I still had a difficult time with this movie. There, there, there's definitely aspects of it that I enjoy, and it might be a stronger movie overall. Because it takes a definitive perspective and you stick with one character all the way through, even to her death and then afterward. Yeah. So it seems like a much clearer um, and yet less by the numbers horror film than what has come out this year. But I don't know if I find myself interested by the Helen character that Virginia Madsen plays. I think it's most interesting early on. And also Candyman is kind of a backseat character in his own film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, it's difficult because I saw it after seeing the remake. So, well, just like you, I guess. Uh, and I had so many issues with the remake that this one felt, just comparing both of them felt like more of a movie than the remake. Uh, there's also the the aspect of having quote unquote real people interact with the main character that that made it a little bit more um, invasive, I guess. Uh, and just seeing her go into this this completely foreign world of the the projects and all of these characters don't don't really want her there, but she's still there. Uh, I don't know how interesting she is as a character uh, because most of the time she just got like that deer in the headlights look to her face, but I feel like at least the, the world building uh, and the the build up to the the end, uh, even though I do feel like the last the, the third act kind of drags a little bit, and then one, uh, once the end comes, it's kind of very cheesy, very nineties horror movie. Uh, so I I can't blame it for that just because of the time when it came out. Like that's what movies would do, I guess. But um, this felt like a lot a lot more grounded. Like this this gave me. Uh, people that I can root for and and more relatable people than the other one where everyone just feels like a rich person that has never interacted with any any humans uh, and this one you have characters like the 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 mom that has a little baby right and you have little moments like when the the baby throws up on her and our main character uh, hands her like a paper towel or whatever which is more character building that you have in the entirety of the other movie even though it's just a tiny moment but you see that you know she's a she's a good person she's a nice person trying to help this unprivileged people or whatever then you have the little child 
who, uh, again, like you said, uh, kid actors are not good, but at least it gives you like a different perspective of the retelling of the Candyman story that makes it more interesting than just having a creepy man at a laundromat telling you what's happening. Um, here, while the little boy was telling you the Candyman story, there were uh, scenes of what happened, uh, like the bloody toilet and like a, a bunch of other things that made the Candyman story more interesting, a little bit more easier to to get into i feel like but like you said yeah there's there's definitely issues with it um we focus too much on her character and, and again i don't know how interesting she is to drive a 140 minute movie um to the point where her marital drama becomes a thing right by the end and i completely forgot that that was even happening because it's not really um uh expanded on until the end when we find out that you know he was doing the thing that she thought he was doing right at the beginning uh but just as a movie as like a world that they were building and um the fact that they were able to shoot in the projects uh they they had the crew on site and the 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 toilet full of shit written on the walls and like all, all of the imagery in it was miles more interesting than anything they did on this new one where everything felt very sanitized and very much like we're in this rich people world. So any of the uh, uh, repercussions that the characters might have is very sanitized and not creepy enough, I guess, uh, as opposed to seeing this uh, not rich woman, but she's like a prissy white girl that's very innocent and very uh, ignorant when it comes to that world coming into this world and being engulfed by it by the end. Uh, I felt like that was more interesting that whatever they tried to do with the, with the remake. The problem is, I think that the current Candyman that was released this year does feel like a natural progression, though. Because if you take a look at any hood area from the 90s, mm-hmm. a good portion of it is exactly what we saw in that 2021 yeah. film, where it's elevated now. It's uh, It attracts a different you know, type of person who's moving. Yeah, it yeah. gets gentrified. And uh, it winds up raising the the overall value of the area. So what we saw in the Candyman movie from 2021 looked more like the projects that I'm probably more familiar with in uh, suburban areas of Massachusetts, where it's like a you you have Asian families and white families more so than like black or Puerto Rican, which is probably more Boston proper. And you'll get the old brick buildings. And that's kind of what you see in this original Candyman with all the graffiti and yeah. You know, the just crime everywhere. Uh, it looks like a problem, this this whole region. Um, I I guess I, I think these characters are more likable. Certainly the the supporting character, Bernadette, is a, is a likable character yeah. and somebody who's a little more grounded than the Helen character. And you do believe the friendship between these two um, in spite of their racial differences, which is something that seemingly cannot exist in the 2021 version <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh unless unless it's one guy fucking another guy and then you know they're just kind of tolerating each other i guess everyone else terrible but if you're taking it yeah, in well, the he ass, gets he gets fucked so it's fine he's accepted exactly. uh, but there, there's also a lack of working class people in this modern movie though in this one you have her interacting with the cleaning ladies at the college that she's at where they're the first people that tell her the actual Candyman story and that that's just a little what five minute maybe that uh they spend on on screen that just gives it a, a, a different dimension of 
okay, this is a world that you're not a part of, that you're completely ignorant by, uh, because they even kind of see it as like, you know, it's part of what we go through in the project. So uh, to us, it's not even that shocking. You know, the, the way right. that they tell that story is very nonchalant. They're very like, well, she was killed by this, whatever. And uh, But that's their reality. And the, the way that she's seeing things is like completely foreign. So that to me feels a lot more interesting that whatever we see our main character in the other movie interacting with. Who, the only, I guess, working class person we see in this, in the remake, is the laundromat guy who ends up becoming the main villain by the end. So that that human side i guess uh resonates with me a lot more in the 90s one even though like i said i'm i'm not a huge fan of of how corny 90s movies are uh when it comes to to things like like the the world building a little bit and i I guess that's that's the type of filmmaking that you had in the 90s so it does feel dated uh not just because of the technology but also just the, the acting and the way that people interact with each other but it felt a little bit more grounded and more believable than um, than the modern one, even though, you know, by the end, it just completely goes off the rails and uh, she becomes like a weird, burnt, <laughs> bald oh, God, uh, that monster head. by the end. You know yeah. what she looked like? She looked like Pigpen when they did the, what was it, Good yeah. Morning America special? What was it, the Today Show oh, yeah. when everybody was dressing up and they had Carson Daly's Pigpen? Yeah, it was, was horrible. R. Shafton as like Snoopy or something. He yeah. he played uh, Charlie I mean, Brown. I Charlie believe. Brown. Charlie Brown. Yeah, horrendous, just horrifying. Awful. What the hell? Yeah. They... Listen, I'll actually <laughs> give props though to Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd for being covered in real bees for this movie. Um, yeah, that's something that you know. When I was I was watching it, I was like, holy shit! Like th- this is something that you take for granted back then and Hans's cam has just gone out for those who are watching this as opposed to listening. So I'll, I'll continue talking. All right, there we go. Original Hans cam. Uh, that's yeah. something you take for granted. I think in 1992 or 1995 when the sequels out or 97, that this actor had real bees in his mouth. This woman had well, bees all over her <laughs> face. He they cut a deal. Never... I, I, I did a, I did a little research on that. He cut a deal where he would get paid a thousand dollars per bee sting, and he got stung twenty three times. Uh, so he made twenty three thousand dollars on just that little deal. That he oh, that's terrific! That's that. very smart. Yeah, that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Uh, so things like that, or the fact that they seemingly, at least for one or two shots, did light Virginia Madsen on fire, mm-hmm. and there's like clearly a wig <laughs> on top of her head to protect her from suffering any actual burns. That's something you don't really see too often now. I mean, we got it in Nightwalk, right? In Nightwalk, somebody got lit on fire for real. The classic, really? the 2021 <laughs> star-studded film, yeah. Nightwalk. Sean, Sean Stone's uh, pro, uh, vehicle. Uh, His night- breakout vehicle. Yeah. We went, I saw look- him. Uh, I was Hold on. I was watching a, like a documentary about aliens or whatever with my girlfriend last week, and... He just popped in and he was like, I guess he knows about that shit. And I was like, wait, that's the fucking guy from that shitty movie we saw. She was like, what? And I was like, don't worry about it. It's just something <laughs> I have to mention to Loris. It's like, I didn't know that he was like an alien guy. Yeah, he's a psychopath. If you check out his Instagram page, it's nothing but like, if you ever check out Jay Dyer or Alex Jones or anything that they ever talk about, he is big on that. And that's when you when you think about the fact that he's a Trump supporting Muslim, it all makes sense. It all like clicks together that this is this is of course this guy. This is Oliver Stone's son. 
we're talking about here. So if it all fits, it, it fits together. Speaking of which, Nightwalk. Do you think that's just daddy issues? You know, like my dad didn't pay enough attention to me because I was, he was directing movies. It could be that. It could be that he's like trying to impress his dad. Like, hey, I'm like you. I'm I'm totally invested in these things also. Why don't we hang out sometime? Hey, you got a new movie coming out? Can I be in that? Remember when you, you used to put me in all your movies when I was a kid? Could I do that for real now? No, That's son, what it feels like. <laughs> no, son, you're a terrible actor. <laughs> um, so oh, you were going to say that it's coming out on DVD, right? They are doing a limited edition pressing in Germany from uh, Mueller, the distributor. Uh, they're putting out a media pack, uh, like a media book, digi pack of Nightwalk with some artwork that actually looks pretty good. I mean, it's yeah. a like an illustrated classic throwback to like, if you ever check out an arrow release or um, like a good looking, what was the other one? Shout factory. It kind of has right. that look to it. Somebody did a, like a total, like the portrait of the actors and you get all the, all the real characters in the movie are on the post. You get Mickey Rourke. He eats, he eats up a lot of space on that, on that art for considering how little he's in the movie. Same <laughs> with Eric Roberts. You've got a little Sean stone at the bottom with holding the gun. Uh, the actress who plays his wife, and then also the most animated of the, the guards. Yeah, no, I don't think he's yeah, on the, it. The guy with the beard. I think the mustache. Eric Roberts. Yeah, he's no, no, he's uh, so, uh, cellmate. Isn't he in it? I don't know. I would have to take another look. I do have it saved on my phone. I could pull it up right now. <laughs> so you are going to get it. That's what you're saying. You're, you're going to get a, a copy of that. I'm honestly considering it because I think they're only printing up 500 of them. But the problem is I would not be able to play it on my Blu-ray. It's region B locked, unfortunately. Mm. Anyway, here's a, here's a, can we get that in focus? Maybe can we take a look at There's the Muslim guy next to the W. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got it correct there. So you can't really tell on the video here. It looks just like their faces, but it's a nice piece of art. Nice piece of art goes a long way. looks like a good release. Uh, I would pick it up. I don't think I will just because practicality, but I encourage everyone in Germany to take a look. The Europeans, the Russians, they don't see anything wrong with that movie. They just see a real movie for some reason. I don't understand it, but whatever, whatever helps the success of that film. (laughs) 